Well, hey, what's up, Pacific Coast Church? Pastor J.F. Wilkerson here. We want to welcome you today to Church Online. And today is a very special day because it's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I want to say, of course, happy Mother's Day to my mom. Love you so much. Hey, wherever you're tuning in from, maybe you're local here in the Pacific Northwest, we want to say welcome. Maybe you're watching from somewhere else. However you got here, whoever you're watching with, maybe you're with your loved ones, welcome to Pacific Coast Church. And today's really cool because um, at our at our physical gathering at Mount Tahoma High School, we have a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. gathering. And today, because it's Mother's Day, we're giving a, a, a gift away to every mom that is in the building. So if you're watching this at nine o'clock and you're local, maybe here in the Tacoma area, hey, come on over and we wanna celebrate you at 11 a.m., all right? Hey, so many incredible things are happening in the life of our church. And I just wanted to give one announcement and that is, May 15th, which is next Sunday, is child dedications. We just had child dedications like a month ago, but because there were so many uh, requests and so many people that wanted to dedicate their children to the Lord, we actually split it up. So uh, we're gonna be having child dedication on May 15th. And listen, if you'd like to be a part of that, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're um, a foster parent, I, I don't know, maybe you're just raising kids, and you want to dedicate your child to the Lord, you can do that. Just visit our website, pacificcoast.church, and you can get all of the information right there. We want to get that to you, but we are really excited about that. So much happening in the life of our church, and we're looking forward as we're getting closer to summer. Is anyone else excited about summer? I know it's May right now. But man, summertime in the Pacific Northwest, I don't think it gets any better, so we're excited. Lots of plans right around the corner. Hey, we want to take a minute uh, to allow each and every one of you to participate with your giving, your tithes and your offerings. Maybe you're just tuning in for the first time. Please don't feel obligate, obligated to participate in this area of our worship. But if you call Pacific Coast Church your church, this is for you. And I want to say thank you to every person who gives so faithfully. I was writing some cards today, or uh, excuse me, this past week to some folks uh, that give at Pacific, that Pacific Coast Church, and it was just beautiful uh, getting to see so many people that are participating. I wanna say thank you for every person that gives towards the work of Jesus Christ at Pacific Coast Church. We are able to do so much with it. We're really excited because, you know, at Mount Tahoma High School, the numbers are so high, uh, upwards close like to 90% of the, of, the, of the students that attend Mount Tahoma High School are, on, are a part of the free lunch program. So, so there's a huge need uh, in our community, uh, specifically at Mount Tahoma High School. And, and so we have decided as a church that we're going to help uh, this, push it closer to the fall, we wanna help out with giving backpacks away full of supplies. And I wanna thank each and every one of you who is contributing financially towards that. It's an amazing thing. As many of you know, we here at Pacific Coast Church, we actually tithe on everything that comes in. So not only do we give 10% to the work of God throughout our community, we give 12% to local organizations, Christian organizations, uh, we give to organizations at the national level 
And then of course, we believe in missions. And so we give to Christian organizations that are doing Jesus stuff in other parts of the world. That's what we're called to do according to Matthew chapter 28. And so we wanna thank you for participating with us as we do whatever we can for God's kingdom here in the Northwest and beyond, all right? So thank you for your giving. Of course, uh, you can text the word donation. If, you, if you're a smartphone person like myself, just text the word donation to 84576. You'll get a direct link. You can click on that and it'll give you all the information that you need. Or you can write a check to Pacific Coast uh, Church, P.O. Box 66026, Tacoma, Washington, 98467. And uh, you can mail your checks in there. And please give us as much information as you're willing to give so we can properly receipt, receipt you so you can tap into all of the tax benefits when you're giving to 501c3. So thank you so much, God bless you. And before we get to the sermon today, which I'm so excited about, because my wife, Pastor Ashley Wilkerson, who co-pastors with me, is gonna bring a word today as we continue this series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks on this conversation on identity. But before we get to that, I just wanna say a prayer for every mom that's watching right now. You guys have the hardest job raising kids, all of this stuff. I, I just wanna pray for each and every mom that's watching right now as well. We're doing that at our gatherings today, all right? So if you're a mom, this is for you. Lord, I thank you for every mama watching right now. Lord God, it's such a high calling to be a mother. And so Lord God, I pray that you give every mom watching strength, courage, rest. God, give them peace of mind. God, give them direction as they're making decisions for their kids and all of this stuff. Lord God, give them good health. God, I pray that you would open doors, uh, that you would give the desires of their hearts to them, Lord Jesus. So we, we honor every mom watching right now. Protect them, bless them. And we at Pacific Coast Church, we support every mom. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Happy Mother's Day, Pacific Coast Church. If you are a mom watching or listening right now, I pray that you feel celebrated. And I'll tell you what, if you have a mom or you know a mom, make sure you do something to help them feel celebrated today. Maybe it's as simple as a text or a voicemail of encouragement, letting them know how much they mean to you. I promise your words matter especially to us moms. I remember when my daughter, Israel, my little Izzy, when she spoke her very first words, and let's be honest, they were barely even words, right? It was like, mama. Can I tell you, no words have ever meant more to me in my entire life up to that point. And no title or name could ever mean as much to me as mama or mom or really mom how it's usually yelled from across the house, typically right before they ask where something is, right? Any mamas with me? Yeah, that's all the time. Today on this Mother's Day, I want to continue in this identity series. And in today's teaching, I'd love to talk about what's in a name. What's in a name? You know, we had Izzy when we lived in Los Angeles, and I'll never forget we had such a hard time picking out a girl's name. 
We had tons of boys' names that we both loved, but no girls' names at all that we could agree on. And I gotta tell you, you never realize how many people really have annoyed you in your entire life until you try to pick a name out for your kid. Am I right? I was like, whoa, Jeff, what about this one? And he would be like, oh no, I knew a girl named that in middle school, no. And then I'd be like, well, what about this one? And Or he'd say, what about this one? And I'd say, no, a girl named that was so mean to me in college and on and on and on. Can anybody relate to that? I remember being at Cedar sinai the hospital, and having just had Izzy in a C-section and holding her and telling the staff there that her name was Israel so everyone could, you know, record it all properly. And one nurse said, oh, that's beautiful. You're doing so much better than the mom we had last week. That mom was so loopy from the pain meds that when her family walked in to see her and the baby, she announced to her loved ones that the hospital had already named her infant for her. The whole family looked around puzzled and the heavily drugged mama said, see, look at her bracelet. They've already named her Famali and I love it. F-E-M-A-L-E, female, you get it? Oh my gosh, I know, right? But what is in a name, really? This morning, I want together to go back to Genesis, where we've been in this entire series. And I want to talk about names and how they're represented there. And I believe that as we look together, the Lord will have some really important truths for us. I believe these truths will help us in understanding who God created us to be, and how we can better walk in all of that. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's take a look together at when the very first names were actually given. Genesis chapter 2, we'll start in verse 19. Scripture says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man. Now, I want to stop there because that word man in the original language just means human, right? It's what we get mankind from. It doesn't mean man in the sense of gender. It means man as in human. So he brought them to the man, the first human, to see what he would name them. And whatever the man, the human, called each living creature, that's what its name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. God made all these incredible creatures, and then he allowed the human to decide what each one would be called. Think about that. Think about what kind of pressure that would be. Coming up with a unique name for every single animal and species that God created? I mean, seriously. You can tell, I mean, that had to be an insanely daunting task. We have no idea how long it took him to do all of it, but I feel like we can kind of tell the ones that he spent more time on, right? I mean, some names of animals are so extravagant. Duck-billed platypus. That's beautiful, right? It's so descriptive. But then you can tell, I feel like, maybe the ones that he was just tired and kind of over it, right? He looks at the animal and he goes, okay, yak. Let's call that one Yak. 
And then can you imagine when the bugs start being paraded in front of him? At that point, he's just naming them whatever they are doing, right? Like there's a bug and then fly, just call it fly. Okay, but seriously, have you ever thought about why God gave that huge assignment to the very first human? I believe God did that so that all of humanity could understand that we as humans always hold the power to name. That's my first point here for you today. A huge part of your identity, who you are in the Lord and what he has for you, has to do with you understanding that. Number one, we have the power to name. Okay, what do I mean by that? Yeah, we didn't get to do what Adam did, right? And specifically name every single animal and species. But God has given each and every one of us the power to name everything we have experienced. We get to choose how we see things and what they will be called in our lives. We get to choose how they will be known by us. Okay, let me show you what, what I mean. Most of you know what happened to us a little over a year ago. A group of men at the church that we were pastoring didn't like the questions that we were asking about finances and accountability. They didn't like our heart for social justice and equality. And so they held meetings in secret and told insane lies about me and my husband, JF, and ended up changing the bylaws of the church we were pastoring without going through anything even close to proper channels. And they changed them to say that they could oust us from church leadership with only a 20% vote. Then they also proceeded to go through a process of removing people from church membership before they took that vote, um, deeming that the people that supported us were not fit for membership anymore. We were removed from leadership and never allowed to speak to the congregation or represent ourselves at all outside of our online presence, remember filming in the garage, and public statements, that sort of thing. Those are all available for you to read at wilkerson.network if you're interested. But my whole point of telling you that is this year on the one year anniversary of the day that all that chaos started to unfold, JF and I got a text message from one of the previous staff of that church that voluntarily exited with us when we were kicked out. He messaged us some really kind words and asked how we were doing. And I was able to text him back with total honesty that we were really overcome with gratitude to God for what we now call the air lifting out. Looking back, we see so clearly that the bondage, that scenario held, all the stuff we couldn't see in the moment, it was all so toxic. And everything we attempted to do as the Lord was leading was being stifled in the spirit and behind closed doors in the physical. We now know that God allowed those men to do honestly pretty horrible things just so he could reveal hearts publicly and pull us out of a place that we would never honestly be able to really lead in the way that he called us. God saved us and he saved many of you from that same toxicity. He used so much of that situation to reveal so much to so many of us. We don't call that season the season of horrible hurt and pain, even though, yeah, it was. We choose to see it in its fullness and call it the great airlifting out. We call it God's rescue. 
because it was. Just like Adam, we have the power to name everything we encounter. We have the power of how we recall it and also what it will be known for and known as in our life. Are there things in your life that you need to rename? God has given you that power. You choose what it's called. You choose what it'll be known for. What have you chosen and what will you choose? God gives us the power to name. There's also so much to be learned about ourselves when we realize that we have that power. We can learn a lot about the state of our hearts when we take time to really recognize the real names we've given things. And maybe even just the things that we focus on and identify and what we call them. We also see that Adam has a similar experience. As he's going through and naming all the animals on the planet, a need in his own life is revealed to him. God already knew it, but there was something about the naming process that allowed it to be revealed to Adam as well. I want you to see this with me. Let's go back to Genesis 2. We'll pick up in verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man, the human, to be alone. I will make a helper, an azer, suitable for him. Now, God says that the human needs an azer. That's the word in Hebrew. The literal translation of this term means someone who comes when you cry for help, not helper. Do you see the difference? In the early 1600s, when the King James Version translated it into English, they weakened that name and title drastically. I can't help but think that some cultural components helped to drive that decision, right? But the most accurate translation of the word isn't helper. Azer, which translates more accurately here to deliverer, or like I said, someone who comes when you cry for help, this term is used 20 different times throughout scripture. 16 of the 20 times this word is used in the Bible, it's used to reference God delivering us. So God called Eve deliverer. That was the first name ever given to her. It was the name God gave her. In fact, God never even calls Eve, Eve in any part of scripture. The name he first called her was Azar. And that leads us to our next point. One, we have the power to name. And two, there is power in whose names we accept. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 2, 18, we'll read it again. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man, the human, to be alone. I will make a helper, an azir, suitable for him. Verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was the name, right? The process that we were talking about, verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Do you see that revealing? Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, 
he took one of the man's ribs. Now I want you to circle that word rib because that's another inaccurate translation. The accurate translation is the word side. So I want you to think about that for a second. God took a side of the first human and created woman. Man and woman were now the new result. And then closed up the place with flesh. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the side he had taken out of the human and brought her to the man. Now, why am I telling you this? Why does any of this matter? Understanding this will help us see how none of us are lesser. God has created us all to be equal in him, to live and serve side by side. And in that beautiful diversity, we show a better picture of who God is and what he looks like. Most people don't even realize that God didn't name Eve, Eve. Adam named her Eve. But he didn't give her this name until after all the craziness. As we talked about last week, God gives them both, Adam and Eve, directives, what to do and not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then the serpent shows up, right? And the woman tastes the fruit, and then the man follows. And then after the fall, the curses are revealed in Genesis 3, 14 through 19. But then Adam names her in the very next verse. Look, Genesis 3, verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. In studying this week, I found that the term Eve has come to mean living, but it also shares the same root word as snake in the ancient Aramaic. You cannot change the names that others ascribe to you, friends, but you do have power over whether you accept them. It matters which names you accept. It's not just the names given that matter. It's also, it matters who has given you the name, right? Whose names, I'm wondering today, have you accepted that are different from what God says about you? We see throughout scripture that God is often in the name changing process, right? We see it in Genesis 17 when God is making a covenant with Abram and changes his name to Abraham. We see it in Genesis 32. Jacob, who'd been born a twin, but when his brother came out first, Jacob was born holding on to the heel of his twin brother. The name Jacob in Hebrew means he grasps the heel, but it's also a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. So based on something he did as a newborn, something he did during his first few breaths, he was now known as deceiver. And with that as his given name, he begins to live that out. He becomes deceptive in multiple arenas and throughout his life. You've seen this happen before, right? If a kid is called something over and over enough, sometimes that child ends up being kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. They end up acting on exactly what they've been told that they are. But then Jacob has an encounter with God and he wants this God and whatever this God has for him so badly that he holds on and will not let him go. He wrestles with God and God blesses him, but he also changes his name. 
He says, you know what? You're, you're no longer going to be known as deceiver. Your name is now Israel, which means both chosen of God and one who wrestles with God. I love that name. That's why I named my daughter that, right? But do you see the power in whose names we accept? What names have people given you? And what names have you accepted as truth but didn't come from the Lord? Friends, those names that you've accepted, they matter. You know what matters more? You know what has far more power if we allow it to? The names that the Lord offers to us. But the big question is, which ones will you accept? Not only does God offer us his name in making us his children, he offers us his name and his power to operate in. One, we have power to name. Two, there is power in whose names we accept. And three, there's power in his name. I want to dive into that for a minute. There's multiple elements to this, even though it sounds really simple. And I want to repeat what I just stated to you. Because not only does God offer us his name in making us his children, he offers us his name and his power to operate in. It's important to understand that these are different, okay? Scripture says it like this. In John chapter 1, let's start in verse 11. Scripture says, He came to that which was his own, meaning Jesus, right? Came to that which was his own, the Jews, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or husband's will, but born of God. When we trust in him, in his name, God makes us his children. This is huge. Being fully accepted and becoming one of his chosen, this is everything, friend. We believe that this not only determines our eternity, but also determines so much of our lives here and now. And that some of where this other part of the power of his name comes in, this is, this is Jesus' actual words about that. John 14, starting in verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I feel like this element has been taught incorrectly and grossly misrepresented in a lot of the church. Some people think that they can just say or ask anything and add the phrase in Jesus name. And maybe they feel like they, you know, want to add it in a, a real churchy voice in the name of Jesus, right? If they add that, then whatever they pray will be done. Can I just say that I don't believe that that's what Jesus is talking about. I believe that when scripture talks about doing something in the name of Jesus, it's talking about doing it in the same spirit and nature of God. 
It's not talking about saying Jesus's name out loud or simply saying the phrase in the name of Jesus. It's talking about asking for Jesus's will while operating in the heart and character of the Lord. It's becoming an actual representative of Jesus. Studying these scriptures this week and thinking about identity had me thinking about my best friend from college. Her name is Celeste and we were roommates throughout all of our college years right after we graduated. She got pregnant with her son, Cody. She was so young and unmarried and I remember crying on the phone with her because she lived across the country and she was so scared and had no idea how she was gonna navigate this huge, huge deal. Celeste held tight to the Lord and one day she called me years later and told me about how she had met a cowboy that had stolen her heart. He was from the Dallas area and was a rancher and an auctioneer and even did rodeos. Okay, I laughed hard because this guy sounded perfect for Celeste. She talked about how amazing he was and his heart for the Lord and also for Cody. And a couple of years after they'd been dating, their relationship deepened and Marcus asked Celeste to marry him and let her know that he would be honored for Cody to bear his name as well. They decided that they would allow Cody to make that choice when he was of age, but they raised him as that. What was so cool though to watch years later, watching Cody walking with Marcus as his dad, he began to act and operate and sound just like Marcus to the point where people would see him, how he rode horses, how he was on the ranch, even how kind he was to others. And they would say, oh yeah, man, he is just like his dad. Okay, do you see the difference between bearing the name and operating in the name? When you see the phrase in the name of Jesus in scripture, it literally means representing Jesus. That's what it looks like to pray in the name of Jesus. It looks like spending time in the word and with him to learn the Lord's heart, to learn his character, his kingdom, and then pray as his representative on earth in that situation. To pray his mission, his spirit, his intent, his aim. That's what in the name of Jesus means his spirit inside of you, working in and through you. It feels overwhelming, doesn't it? Like, whoa, uh, there's no way I can be a representative of Jesus. Um, I'm flawed, I have a past, I won't get it perfect. Yeah, 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 I know, me neither. And you know what, he knows. Friend, he's not scared of your past. In fact, he's used one of his names to remind us of that very fact. There's a story as I close in Exodus where God appears to Moses through a burning bush. And through that experience ends up calling Moses to a massive assignment of leading God's people out of Egypt and into the land that God had promised them. I can't imagine how weird that was to have God talking through a bush that's on fire, right? In that moment, God introduces himself to Moses for the first time. And I want you to see the name that God uses in this very strange introduction. 
Let's look at Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Don't miss this. God is introducing himself to Moses and is about to unpack the incredible assignment for Moses. And God knows that Moses is going to try to talk God out of calling him at all, right? And the Lord knows that Moses doesn't think he has what it takes. And the Lord knows that Moses is thinking about his own past, his own failures, and his own flaws. And so God identifies himself in a way that reassures Moses. He says, I am the God of your forefathers. Abraham, remember the one who had his name changed from Abram, and also Isaac. But then God says something so bizarre. He says that he's the God of Jacob. Wait, really? The deceiver? Wait, God, didn't you change his name to Israel? Wouldn't you say I'm the God of Israel? Wasn't that supposed to mark a new beginning for Jacob? Yeah, I believe that's the point. God, in the plainest way possible, was saying to Moses and to us, He is not afraid of being identified with your past. He is not afraid to be known as your God, even with the past you have. God knows all of it. He was there, and He still chooses you. His name, the way He chooses to identify Himself, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I hope you see and feel how powerful his love is. That his love stops at nothing just to get to you. He doesn't just offer you sonship and adoption. He wants you to be his child, but he, off he also offers you power, friends, by his spirit to do even greater things on earth. And he calls us to do them in his name, meaning as his representatives in his heart, in his character and his mission. So what's in a name? <laughs> One, we have power to name. You get to reframe and rename everything in your life. God gives you that power. He's given that power to us as humans from the beginning. Two, there is power in whose names we accept. Whose names have you listened to? Who have you let label you? There's some names that you've taken on that God is calling you right now to reject because they are not what He has called you. He's called you His own. He calls you His masterpiece, His child, His greatest love, and He gives you His name to be His and also to operate in His power as you recognize that He's called you to be His representative. There is power in His name and he offers it freely to you today. I wanna to pray for you right now. Wherever you are watching, listening, maybe you just wanna pause for a second and allow the Holy Spirit to really cause you to think about that. The idea that you do have the power to name. Maybe there's some horrible things that have happened to you 
but God's allowed you to step back from that and then reframe it to see how God might use it for good. We have that promise, right? Maybe there's names that people have labeled you with or called you. Maybe it's you that's given yourself these wrong names. And right now he's calling you to take on his, to know his love, to know his acceptance and his power. So I just wanna pray with you right now. If you have never said yes to Jesus and you wanna do that right now, you don't have to use any specific words or phrases. Just talk to him. The God of the universe knows you so well, friends. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your past and he still wants you. He still wants to be, to be identified with you, even understanding all of that. And so right now, in your own way, just say yes to him. Say yes to him in whatever way he's nudging. Some of you feel that maybe it's your heart pounding and you don't even know what that is. We believe that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. You feel that emotion, that's him. That is not me. And so I wanna pray with you right now. Lord, I thank you that your spirit transcends time. It transcends technology, Lord, and that your spirit is being felt right now. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would help us to see things more in the way that you do. God, that we can look back on experiences and reframe them in the light of your word and your truth. God, if there are names that we have allowed to be put on us, maybe names that we've accepted that are not of you, God, please, in Jesus' name, begin to reveal those to every single one of us. Lord, show us more of who you call us, what you say about us, and help us, Lord, to never allow other people's names to carry more weight than what you say about us. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to grasp what it means to operate in the name of Jesus, to trust in the name of Jesus, to pray in the name of Jesus, and to operate, God, in and by your spirit. Lord, we ask that you do this in our lives. Lord, we're so excited, God, for what that is going to look like as we grow in our identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope that uh, inspired you, spoke to you, this conversation on identity. It's huge. And uh, I, still, I, I know that it blessed me. I know that it blessed you. And like we do every single time we gather, whether it's in the physical or online, we, wanna, we want to equip you uh, with some questions that you can meditate on this week that uh, it, maybe in your small groups, I, I have a, a men's small group and it's just great to be able to um, interact with those brothers, whether we're reading the word and, or even these questions. It's just a great way to uh, meditate and talk about what you just heard. So if you're taking notes, write these down or maybe just because they're gonna pop up kind of quick, just take a screenshot. But here's three questions that we wanna leave you today, all right? Here we go. The first question is this, is there something uh, in your life, past or present, that you need to reframe and rename. What is your plan for doing that? That's the first question and a very good question. Here's the second question. 
What are names that have been given to you? Whose names are you needing to reject and whose names for you do you want to embrace? It's a second question. Another phenomenal question. Here's the third question and that is, what does quote end quote in the name of Jesus really mean and how should how should we be living this out? So those are three questions. I encourage you uh, to meditate on those questions this week and have a conversation about them with a loved one or maybe even in your small group. It's great, all right? Hey, also, if you said yes to Jesus, we would love for you just to text the word Pacific to that number that I said earlier, 84576, and uh, you'll get some information as to what we encourage as far as next steps. If you want information about the church, of course, check out our website, pacificcoast.church, for all of the information there. And also, if you're looking to get involved in a small group, Man, small groups are like the backbone. <laughs> like it's part of our foundation at Pacific Coast Church. We believe in them, so we would love for you to do that. If you'd like to be a part of our dream team, if you're willing to make, to, uh, to make the next step serving alongside so many, we have over 200 people that are a part of our dream team. Those are our volunteers at Pacific Coast Church. And if you'd like to be a part of that, all of that information is online. And also, of course, follow us and follow us on all of our different social media platforms, all right? Facebook, all the different ones, Instagram, all right? We'd love for you to do that. All right. Hey, have a wonderful day and an even better week. We love you. God bless.